what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson, and with me is Chris Fry, and we are co-founders, co-directors of the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival. So, Chris, how are you doing? I am doing well. I had a uh, nice Thanksgiving break, and yes. I must say, with the two films we're reviewing today, probably a good thing that we waited until after a holiday that centers around eating a lot. Um. <laughs> yes, uh, completely unplanned, but yet it's just kind of happened this way, the recording right after Thanksgiving is going to be where we're going to be discussing two new films that both center around eating um, of some sort. <laughs> so uh, we will be reviewing the films Bones and All, uh, followed by a review of the film The Menu. Uh, again, both of them having to do with different forms of dining. And we're just going to leave it at that and let the reviews kind of speak for the rest of it. We will be reviewing both of those films that are both available right now in movie theaters uh, and then we will be moving on to some movie news where I think what we'll do, Chris, is in that section, we're going to predict or maybe just give a little uh, foresight as to what may be coming down the pike for Oscar nominations for 2022. Since we are getting really close to the end of the year, we've got one month less. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, I've also got a trailer of a potentially interesting film that I wanted to kind of share and, and, and to have us talk about a little bit. And also an interesting uh, film project I just was made aware of. So we'll talk about all that in the news section. But as always, we end up our show with a recommendation where Chris and I both share a film that we think is worth checking out that we both just caught up with ourselves. So Chris, we've got a full show as always. We've got two great reviews to get into of interesting films. So what do you say we go ahead and get started? Let's do it. All right. Going into our first review, it is the film... Uh, starring Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet. It is Bones and All. There's a lover in the story, but the story's still the same. There's a lullaby for suffering and a paradox to blame. I didn't know I had permission to murder and to maim. You want it darker? We kill the flame. The really brief synopsis for Luca Guadagnino's new film, Bones and All, is just simply Marin, a young woman, learns how to survive on the margins of society. So that's a pretty simplistic, generic kind of, you know, mm -hmm. little blurb about what the film's about. Watching the film, though, you mentioned the two stars in the introduction there, Alan, Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell. They participate in a film that I'm still wrapping my head around. I saw this film two days ago and I'll be honest, I'm not trying to be flippant or, you know, but I found myself wondering even while I was watching it, what was the point of it? Was it trying to be a love story, a horror film, a coming of age tale or an odd amalgam of all three of them? 
I'm still not sure to wake, make what to make of it now. I think I'm still processing it. But what I will say is it's pretty original because of how it mixes those things. Um, I said the thing about the horror film, which we'll is kind of get this off our chest off the bat. We don't think it's a spoiler, um, but mm. the whole eating thing that we can, Alan officer referenced, <laughs> there's cannibalism going on here. Yes. Um, so that's kind of what the girl is struggling with while she's on, while she's on the margins of society. So Alan, what was your uh, general feeling of this movie? <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I'll just go off and say I really liked it Okay, uh, quite a bit. I actually did kind of find a point to it. So I think we can maybe discuss that a little bit. Okay. I, I think even even the kind of uh, vague synopsis that's been floated out there. I mean, Marin learns how to survive on the margins of society. And that's the whole that's the whole deal here. Okay. She we learn early on. And again, I, I, we, we made a decision before recording that it's okay to talk about the, what the theme of this film is or what the kind of conceit is. Yes, Marin is a cannibal. Um, we learned that in the very first scene that we see, kind of a scene where she's interacting with some some schoolmates. And throughout this film, we learn and see that there is a subculture of cannibals in society, people. And I think what the film is really, you know, what really was interesting to me is it it created this little subculture that kind of had rules, it kind of had... Uh, structure to it. There's kind of an understanding. Granted, it's a subculture that I, you know, I, I don't see it, it can't exist in our real world today. I mean, this is obviously a fantastical more, more uh, version of that. But I think what they're representing is they're representing anybody who feels on those edges of society where they are shunned or looked down upon or so forth. Uh, you know, Marin and her father have a, have a form of a separation early in the film as well, but the father still plays a very, integral part throughout the film through a framework and, and framing devices he used with a audio recording he leaves behind for her. And I think, you know, you could replace cannibalism with any other form of, uh, of somebody's personality or their, their, um, orientation, their choices, whatever. And it may, it fits the same idea. It's like how they're kind of viewed in society, how they're shunned in society and how they kind of have to, find one another and, and, you know, to kind of make things work. I think this film just does an interesting job of taking that analogy and saying, okay, well let's also drop it into kind of a, a little bit of a Gothic horror approach and put it into an interesting road trip with some really interesting characters to meet along the way. And I think, I, I think it succeeded with that. I think it did a really good job with that. I, I had, I hate saying I had fun with watching a film cause this, <laughs> this is not a fun film, right. but, um, I think this fun. I think the film really worked. I, I um, think that's how they should advertise this film. Is Alan Jackson had a fun time. I had watching, a fun time watching a film about cannibalism. Yeah, I think cannibalism is great. Um, you know, we have uh, we have the, the Marin who you mentioned, who is played by by Taylor uh, Taylor Russell, and um, we're following her almost consistently throughout the entire film. She does meet Timothy Chalamet's Lee um, along the way. And then the two of them have encounters with other characters in a very much a road trip format. They are getting from point A to point B. They have a destination in mind. They know where they want to go and why. They meet people along the way that challenge their place in society or, or cause them to look at themselves maybe in a different lens. Um, and then, um, you know, it's all couched in a, a, a nice romance film as well. I mean, I think 
the film's interesting in that it does cover a lot of bases. It is very unique, just like you said. And um, I, uh, I just found a lot to like from it. I thought it was great. I thought the performances were great. We'll get into some of those specifically, but um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I'm, I want to hear more of your thoughts there, Chris. What 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 worked or didn't work for yeah, you? Yeah, like I said, I just saw this film two days ago, so I'm really still processing it. I I think I admire it off the bat just because it is so unique. But some aspects of the film I just found, I don't know, I felt, I don't know, it's just, I'm still processing it. But I will say, Timothy Chalamet, um, he's an actor that I generally, yeah, I think he's okay. I don't seek a film out because he's in it. Mm-hmm. But his first couple of minutes on screen really irritated me. Um, because he just, it seemed like his his clothing and his hair and his look was doing like, 99% of the work and he was just kind of being like I'm a quirky guy that you're going to fall in love with type thing and it just really profoundly from where she meets him in like a gas station type place and then opening moments of that how he acts and how he acts like a cool guy and then he not long after that he does this dance routine to a kiss song and I'm just like I this is his performance right now was pitched at like an 11 Mm -hmm. um, and it was really annoying to me. But that said, things did kind of settle in and then he blended in, but I will, I felt bad for Taylor Russell because I feel like to me, she's been in other films, but I really felt like this was her story. And when he was in her story, he was just like grabbing the spotlight and pull yanking it over to in front of him and be like, look at me. I'm Timothy Chalamet. Look what an incredible job I'm doing. And I felt I wished that he would have been a little bit more of a supporting player as opposed to I felt like he was really kind of mm. and maybe that's just because, you know, it's star quality and it's this is well, based on this is based on a book. So yeah. that's just how the story needed to be. Like you're supposed to fall in love with him, just like Taylor Russell's character Marin is falling in love with him. So some of that I can get. I guess I wonder and there again, you know, this is the movie that we're given but what it would have been like if there would have been somebody that wasn't Timothy Chalamet in this role. Mm, yeah, um, possible. I, so. I, I'm just here to say, I, I, I really liked his performance in this and I'm not generally a fan of his work. I, I think he's okay. But like you said, I think that that showiness in that first few scenes, I thought was very intentional. I mean, I think that is him trying to put on a part, him trying to play a part when he's dealing with his own anguish, he's dealing with his own, uh, troubles at the moment that he doesn't want to let on to anything. And he's, he's trying to play the cool guy for a while. I don't know. I, I, I saw it as it's more of a, it's an act his character was putting on and that, as opposed that, to, I can see that an actor, argu- you know, I can see that argument yeah. and that's valid. It just was a little, okay. it was just a little bit, a little much, mm-hmm. but it settled in. Um, something I will say, <laughs> can can I just interrupt for a second, Chris, just because Absolutely. I, and, and I, I should have done this before the recording. I don't know why I'm bringing it up now. But how funny you and I were on a film shoot, a shoot somewhere earlier that day and a discussion about kiss came up hmm. in there. And then here we are hours later watching this film separately sure. and kiss plays a key part <laughs> in one scene. So uh, anyway, it's always funny. Album, I believe you know, cannibalism is a theme and it was lick it up. That lick it up. Yeah. So lick that was up. just like, yeah. okay, just, <laughs> it, it was a bit much. Yeah. Um, Something that stands out for me that I really appreciated in this film, um, probably my favorite part of the film, and that, there again, sounds kind of weird because where I'm going with this, but Mark Rylance plays a supporting (laughs) role 
as somebody who is also a cannibal that Marin meets while she's kind of out doing this cross country trip, trying to find out who she is, trying to find her mom and all this like searching, you know, she runs into Mark Rylance's character, Sully, and he is so against what I'm normally used to seeing Mark Rylance mm-hmm. play in the roles that he does. So creepy, so disturbing, and just, oh, man. I, I Like, I will be thinking. It's, it, to me, it was as effective as Anthony Hopkins doing Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm with you. He was just so spot on as being creepy and subtly creepy sometimes. And I just, wow. Um, well, crazy. I, I, hey, look, I'm, I'm with you on that. My favorite part of the film were the, the secondary characters we meet along the way on this mm-hmm. trip. Okay. okay. Starting with Mark Light Rylance, the Sully. I agree. I think he's, it's a, it's a terrifying performance. Yeah. And, but also partly I, I want to kind of dress up like him for Halloween now. So <laughs> that's kind of my new That'd be a very idea. interesting niche. I don't know if anybody would do. get it, but I still want to kind of do that. Um, would you do the, uh, have a bag that has this really long oh, ponytail yeah, in it? Absolutely. Nice. You have to. That's okay. part of the, that's part of the costume. Nice. Uh, I really liked Mark Rylance to Sully. I agree. I think it's a performance that's going to, should call some attention. I think people need to pay attention to that performance more. Um, we also get uh, an interesting uh, scene with Michael Stuhlbarg, mm. uh, who I know was also in uh, Call Me By Your Name with Timothy Chalamet and the same director here. But he's in a scene with David Gordon Green, the director, the two of them. Which playing. was odd it was odd, yeah. yeah. But again, that was also kind of an interesting, uh, I, uh, quote, fun scene where uh, just, I don't I didn't even recognize Michael Stuhlbarg at first. I he, didn't either. He, I thought I recognized the voice, but it yeah. took me a minute just because he is so unhinged. Yeah. As another was a, cannibal that Marin meets with Timothy Chalamet's exactly. character on the road. Just another just interesting ex- encounter, I think. Just a, another scene highlight. And then and this I will I don't think we can or should spoil, but I will just say there is an actress makes a scene appearance late in the film hmm. in an undisclosed uh, character she plays that also I thought was very affecting. It was a short scene. You're right. But troubling and yes. interesting performance there as well. So I that was the highlights of the film for me is them just interacting and meeting these people along the way and kind of not only whether there's dialogue or in the sense of uh, Mark Rylance's character, just the just the tone and the dread that came out of that. Those really made the film for me. I mean, I, I like the film at its core, but those other performances, I think really elevated the whole thing for me. So, yeah, I'll say the director, Luca Wooden, you know, he really makes some interesting choices with the films that he chooses to do. I have only seen call me by your name. Um, I'm never caught up with his remake of Suspiria. I've seen the original, but haven't seen his remake. But after watching this, I'm really curious to go back and kind of check out some more of his filmography, specifically starting with Suspiria, because this being a film with cannibalism, I'm interested to see what he does with a remake of Suspiria. And then he's also done like something like a bigger splash that has Ralph Fiennes and Tilda Swinton. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to check out more of his filmography to get more of a sense of who he is as a director. Yeah. Um, I will say, too, something in researching before we uh, started recording. I saw that what I think will be his next film is due out in 2023. Supposedly, it's going to be called Challengers. 
stars Zendaya and um, Mike Feist from the West Side Story. He got the big kind of breakthrough role in uh, West Side Story recently. But it tells the story of three tennis players who knew each other as teenagers. And then now they're competing in a tennis tournament to be like the world famous Grand Slam winner. So just hearing like a tennis movie or something like that, that's not something I would normally care about. I mean, sports movies in general don't really speak to me. Alan, it may be more up your alley because you like tennis movies. But knowing that Luca Guadagnino is involved, I'm like, okay, it's going to be interesting. Him making a tennis movie, a sports movie. Okay. (laughs) That's that, that sounds interesting to me. Apparently, I think I've seen him quoted that what he's always interested in is finding characters who are like bringing to the screen some type of emotional truth and having seen bones and all and call me by your name. It's like they're learning about themselves, but there's something like emotional truth core there. So I'm interested to see what he does with that in challengers. If that's what the movie ends up being called, mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see what emotional truth Suspiria brought to the screen, <laughs> but I don't know. He just, he's kind of occurring to me as like, Hey, okay, I need to get this guy more on my radar. Like I had heard bones and all was coming out and I was like, okay, not really. I wasn't excited about it, but now seeing how he handles material, I don't don't know. He's kind of, I realized, uh, I have not seen any of his other movies. Okay. So you haven't seen call me by your name. Okay. I've not seen anything. This is my first experience with this film. And again, now, now I am definitely more interested in going and seeing some of his other films. Um, yeah, this just this just worked for me. I think the the, the tone of the film, I, I, the film had a texture to it that it's kind of hard to describe, but just a very, it felt very lived in. It felt very, even though I know this was not a realistic scenario we're watching on film uh, necessarily, but it's it not. felt like it was. <laughs> I mean, it felt sure. very real. Um, again, I mentioned the framing, uh, the framework in the film, the, the kind of the conceit of the father leaving behind a recording for his daughter. And that basically serves as kind of a, a little bit of a narrative narrative thread to kind of learn more about the characters we go along, which I thought was an interesting way of doing it. Um, I think that was my initial, you're talking about kind of your overall feeling and how you're really, you're positive on the film. I think it's an instance for me where a lot of times, usually I like going into a film, not knowing anything and you know, not having expectations. And maybe that was my problem with this film was I thought it was going to end up being, I thought it was because I knew it had cannibalism aspects. I thought it was going to be more of a traditional like horror movie. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it wasn't that kind of confused me. And then I was wondering like, what, what is this movie doing? Um, Who is this movie for? And I, I see your point about it being kind of a, a twist, if you want to call it that, on a coming of age story and a yeah. finding who you are and where you belong. In finding study. your people, finding uh, who, just, where you belong in the world. Right. And, but just such an odd and jarring way to put that <laughs> twist on there oh, and yeah. make it very unique, which it totally succeeded. So I think the more we sit here and talk about it, the more I kind of admire it and think that my opinion of it grows a little. Yeah. Um, something too, like, yeah, it's just really weird about the characters and you're wanting to, are you sympathizing with them? Are you not sympathizing with them? And I think that's something that I st- kind of struggle with too, which they kind of, 
it's it's totally up to the you know he leaves everything the the filmmaker the screenwriter and I guess originally the novelist leave a lot sitting in your lap about how you want to think about mm-hmm. these people who are doing cannibalism this specifically the scene that you kind of talked about a little bit with Michael Stuhlbarg mm-hmm. as Jake and David Gordon Green as Brad these two other cannibals that they kind of encounter one of the ways apparently that you know other people might be cannibals is you can smell them and mm-hmm. you kind of know like okay these people are are like in our group. Yeah. They're so one of us. Yeah. They're right. So they meet this other, which is the way Sully, Michael Rylance's character also found. But anyways, they kind of come to this meeting and they're sitting around a fire talking. And I couldn't understand whether or not cannibalism was a choice for everyone mm-hmm. who was sitting around the campfire or it is something they have to do, or is it something they want to do? Like there's no, there's a lot of gray area specifically. Then you find out, David Gordon Green's character, Brad, you're not really sure what his deal is because mm-hmm. they they kind of tell him he kind of says like, yeah, I'm just I'm kind of an observer. See, so is he is he just an outright crazy person, I, I, serial I think, killer? I think we're I think we're led to believe that the cannibalism was not a choice. It is they are born this way. This is who they are. It's kind of alluded to that with the the father giving his narration and, and explaining he, he how he is a cannibal as well. No, no, the father was not. So that was my other thing. It was like, is, no, this, it was bio- the daughter. is this biological? Well, I mean, we do meet a family member, right? That obviously, but see, that's my yeah. thing because Timothy Chalamet's dad, if I'm understanding correctly, he was also one. Uh, because I he said, know. he, he hmm. says he came at me and that's what led me to, I mean, his. Well, father I, I was, thought it was coming at him like attacking abusive. him type of no, thing. I thought yeah, it was yeah. like he uh, smelled. I smelled it, and like mm, okay, so could be. I, I don't, and not that it mattered, but it was just kind of like wait. So, may, so it's it's not a choice. There could be hereditary implications with it. I think it sounds like, but they don't um, have. To, is it necessarily? And again, it's like all these. I rules love the fact of, that we're having this deep conversation, about right? And the, you just don't know. The and the movie mechanics of cannibalism, and the movie just leaves it up, and they don't explain all the information. Well, but it, but you're going back to that how scene, it's supposed to drive sympathy or yeah. be, yeah. But going back to that scene about Jake and Brad, right? Talking about you know Brad's character, uh, David Gordon Green, right. where he is, uh, he's not someone that. Uh, what we learn in that conversation is that. He is not a true cannibal. So in other words, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that gen- genetic makeup. Seemingly he not. is kind of just along for the ride and kind of enjoying the idea of it. And maybe he's wanting to dabble in it or he which, wants to be in that world, but he's not actually a, a cannibal. Like which genetically. that's what Marin Marin kind of gets she, frustrated she gets out, and yeah. ma- because she's like, wait, you're doing this by choice. By so choice. I guess in, from what yes. she's saying, it is not a choice from her, right. but it's something that if I remember <laughs> again, it's weird. We're having this in-depth conversation about cannibalism, but I mean, it's the film. Um, she, do you, you don't have to do it to survive, but sometimes it happens and you can't help it. Right. Yeah, it okay. sounds like it's more of an involuntary. But like then at some point, at one it. point in the film, she tells, um, Lee, who's mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet's character, she tells Lee, I'm hungry. And it yeah. wasn't like, so I guess. I mean, they're eating regular food throughout the film and all that. And they're not, it's not like they're eating people like every day. Right. It just seems like it's like it when builds it on, and it, it builds and it just, you know, at some point they have to satisfy that, that, that hunger. Well, um, and then she kind of Marin's character wants to make a distinction, which I think Lee does as well, maybe about who she decides 
to feed on like what who they are like do i just feed do i take the dexter mentality where i just kind of rid society of bad people like dexter that that tv show the serial killer guy did but he only killed well they were also the question of you know they didn't want to actually kill anybody so it's like finding somebody who was already close to dead or would be dying soon or something so it's just yeah i think there again it's it's all to me a big analogy of people who are living I, I use the phrase a fringe of society, well, but it's, it's, they are trying to find their own identity. They're trying to understand themselves. They don't fit in with the the bulk of society gotcha. and they're having to learn these rules. They're having to figure out the mechanics of it and how they operate. They're trying to find other people that they can relate to and that sure. have some similar shared interest. It just so happens instead of talking about anything that may be going on in our world with, with people, it's cannibalism is, is the thing. <laughs> now, again, maybe there are cannibals out there. I, I don't know. But if they are, they're staying very, very well hidden as far as, I'm, as, far as I know. Right. I, I think that's what the film just does so well. It takes a very simple idea. A young girl that something is different about her. She is shunned by a family. She's on her own. She finally meets somebody that she has some shared interest in, somebody like her. And then they go and they're trying to learn more about themselves. And along the way, they're encountering other people that may or may not have their best interest at heart. I mean, it's just, it's a simple story. It's just, they put this whole layer of the horror cannibalism aspect on it. And it makes for a really interesting, interesting film. Oh, so it, uh, It's definitely interesting. Yeah. Definitely. I, uh, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought I thought I really enjoyed it. So uh, I thought, well, very very well done. And uh, as someone who has said a lot about Timothy Chalamet's performances in other films, I think he was really good in this. I have always liked uh, uh, Taylor Holland. I think she's or Taylor Russell. I think she's really good. I've seen her. I remember seeing her in the uh, Lost in Space Netflix series mm-hmm. um, remake series, and she, I always thought she was really good in that. I think I know she's done some other films as well, but that's where I remember her mostly from. But overall, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I, 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 you sounds like you're coming around a little I, bit. I, I think I am. The more I, the more I process it, okay. I think I am coming yeah. around. Yeah, good. Well, that is bones and all. Um, not for the faint of heart. No, I will go ahead and say that. That's just uh, they do not shy away from from some fairly horrific images and scenes. And so just kind of throw that out there make sure everybody knows what they're getting into with this film. If the, if the topic of cannibalism hasn't already scared you away, <laughs> just know that it's uh, it doesn't shy away with it. Much, if for anything, I think that's why this film may have trouble finding an audience oh, just yeah. because it is so it's not a straight up thriller. Oh, it's no. not a straight up horror movie. No, it is more of like a coming of age thing, but there's this disturbing aspect <laughs> that's going to keep a lot of people yeah. Saying, you know what? I'm not going to check that I'll out. I'll pass on that. <laughs> so. All right. Well, that is Bones and All. It is playing in theaters at the moment. And uh, I, we're both saying, yes, it's it's definitely a, a good film to check out. I seem to be a little little higher on it. But Chris is slowly, his, his perception has grown as the conversation has gone on. So, all right. Well, let's move on to our second review, which is also a food dining related experience film. It is the film The Menu. Here we are family. We harvest, we ferment, we gel. They gel. We gel. He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end. Chris, in the film The Menu, uh, Mark Mylod's uh, film The Menu, we have the story 
a couple, they're traveling to a remote island as part of a dining experience. It's an exclusive restaurant. A certain number of res- of attendees are able to go, and they're all on a boat to this remote island where there's this famous restaurant and famous chef that's going to provide them with a very lavish menu. It's extremely expensive. I think, like they said, like thousands of dollars to be a part of this. Right. Um, but uh, some things happen during this uh, this meal, and it turns into a little bit more of a. I mean, it's branded as a thriller. There's actually been some marketing of it as a horror film. But I think overall we can say that it does turn into a very uh, different experience than I think the attendees uh, expected as they came along. We start to learn a little bit about the chef. We learn a little bit about the attendees at the restaurant and the restaurant itself. And uh, yes, so Chris, uh, this film stars uh, Anna Taylor-Joy, and uh, Nicholas Hout as the two, as the couple that we described, I mentioned in the, in the synopsis. And we have Ray Fiennes as the chef, Chef Slowick, uh, along with several others. Uh, John Lee Gozamo playing one of the uh, restaurateurs, Janet McTeer, uh, Judith Lights, Reed Burney, several kind of really good actors kind of put in and mixed in to make this very eclectic group of, of people at this restaurant. Chris, I saw this film uh, before you. Mm-hmm. I'm actually one that recommended that maybe we we talk about it because yes, I, I think in some of the overall marketing of this film, it could be looked at as a very slight film that tries to go a thrill or horror. Anytime you talk about something with food in a restaurant and it's going to turn into a potential horror film, you start to think, okay, is it going to, yeah, is this going to become a violent affair? Uh, is it going to be a perfect pairing with bones and all the film we just talked about or what direction is it going to take? I recommended we talk about this film because I thought I thought there was something a little bit different here. So my question to you is, Chris, did you see anything with this film that rose it above what the marketing of it makes it like a pretty conventional or, or, or simple thriller? Was there anything more to this film for you? And how, what was your overall takeaway from it? So, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, fortunately, I love seeing movies in theaters. One of the downsides of seeing movies in theaters is usually, unless you time it just right, you're going to see bunches of previews before you see a movie. Mm-hmm. I have seen the preview for the menu not as many times as I saw the preview for Bob's Burgers, but probably probably ranking up there. Mm-hmm. It was before like a lot of movies that I saw. So unfortunately, having seen the trailer, I kind of had a feeling of what this was, and it was exactly what I thought it was going okay. to be. Um, they do some there. They do have a several course meal. The course reveals were a little fun for me where they would actually put the text on screen of what some of the things that they were eating were going to be. Um, that was a little fun, but that was where my enjoyment of the film kind of ended. It was as satisfying to me as a day old McDonald's cheeseburger that's been pulled from Ooh. the refrigerator that you've tried and failed to resuscitate in the microwave. That's kind of how this felt. The bread was stale. The meat was cold. Oh, but there was no bread. Exactly. <laughs> um, which I think it was just, yeah, some of the, some of the, it, you know, you can tell from the preview, this is about a movie about class and it's so like the haves and the have nots. So like beating you over the head, heavy handed with it. And I don't, a lot of things just happen in the film to me that, just seemed to be for convenience. 
Like this restaurant has been around and suddenly he, the chef decides, okay, we're going to have a big culminating event. Today's the day. Today's the day. And you're like, okay, not only that, but apparently he gets all of his crew to buy in on this too, which I'm like, okay, don't really understand how that would happen or why that would happen. But okay. Uh To the fact where there are cults work in interesting ways. Yeah. And then there's, there's a, (laughs) some things just happen for no reason. Um, other than it's, they need it to happen to advance the plot. You see it in the preview at one point, people go take off running through a forest. Um, there's no reason for that. Um, because they do that just so one group can get isolated and talk amongst themselves and have a character reveal. But the, organizing people to shop don't know that that's going to happen. Like there's, there's no, there's no reason for that to happen other than because the culminating event of when some people go off running, if they're caught and then something happens specifically, then okay, but nope. Um, Also at one point, someone is made to go to a meat shed and magically she finds a knife there. That's convenient because then she's going to get in a fight just a little bit, like dumb, 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 dumb. This film wants to be, I think, a smart critique of like Black Mirror level. And it, it has potential to do that. And some of the things, like early on, but then it just, it doesn't really advance to me. And the ending is like laughable and dumb. And Anna Taylor-Joy, I think the cast is capable of so much more. I, it comes back to the script. I'm not really familiar with the director. He's done a lot of TV work. He does Succession, which is a show you're really high on that I have not seen. Mm-hmm. Um, that I yeah. So I I don't know, but it just what this film was going for. It just didn't. It just didn't work for me. So wow. Tell me how it all worked for you and stuff. <laughs> maybe maybe like I mean, granted, mm, I, I was higher it. on Bones and all. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it, but I I I I hear your criticisms. I tended to look at this film as a lot more of a, um, it was, I mean, yes, believable. No. Yes. There's a lot of elements to this. That, yeah. It's, it's, it's strange uh, credibility, but I, I tend to take this film as a little bit more, whether it's like a morality play or whether it's more of a fable type of thing. I think that I, I think taking it, I took it from that approach or like, yeah, not everything makes sense. Not everything. Yes. Is it convenient that it's just all built to this one dinner? But I also think, you know, I think, yeah, I think that was kind of the intention of the story is this chef has been plotting this. He intentionally chose the people that were going to be coming to this dinner okay, so we're, for a particular reason, you know, so we're, I, we're dancing around mm-hmm. um, one of the reveals that happens about the per- the chef has a purpose for this dinner. Yes. Um, and I guess we'll continue to dance around. Yeah, that. I think we should. Okay. Yeah. So something else that like, there were just several roadblocks for me, like kind of getting on the wavelength with the film, because you think it is a surprise to everyone. And it turns out it's not a surprise to one person to one person. And that there, that was like, do what? Like that doesn't make, that no. doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I no, think I'm, it does when you use it, when you look at it all as a big satire. It's the it's the worshiping of a celebrity. It's the worshiping of a, a big figure. I mean, you, you ask why is the whole crew kind of along the ride for this? Well, I mean, 
that's what happens in cults. That's what happens in, you know, worshiping a, an idol of someone as a celebrity or someone but I don't, bigger than life. The, some of the people that do get a chance to speak, it's like they don't admire him because of things that have happened, but yet they chose to stay. I think they've more bought into the idea of what this restaurant is supposed to stand for or what this dinner is supposed to stand for more and than there, anything. There's yeah. a scene with an individual shown and it's shown in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything if you've seen the trailer. Um, it looks like an individual running towards the woods with a set of angel wings. And oh, yeah. we later we later see that individual. That didn't work. That was like mm-hmm. so kind of flimsy. And there's just things like it just didn't it just okay. didn't hold up. I, and maybe there maybe there's some stuff on the cutting room floor with the person finding the knife in the meat hut and other things yeah. that kind of like Make a little like, and she goes there to find this. uh, (laughs) She goes there under the roost that something was not where it needed to be in the kitchen, and then finds out that oh, it wasn't in the kitchen because someone was never told it was supposed to be there. Like, and you're like, do what? Like, there's it just doesn't. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know. Instead of being sometimes things are withheld, and you're like you know in bones and all with like rules of cannibalism. And it's done in a clever way to make you think on it more. And sometimes I think it's just poor writing. And this is an example of, I think the script is, is, a, is a poor script. And I did do a little bit of research in that. I don't know if it's Mark um, Milad. Is that how you say his name? Yes. Okay. I don't think it was him. I think it was one of the writers of the script who are Seth Reese and Will Tracy. They got the idea for this film or for the script because they went to some restaurant where on like an island type thing, and you couldn't leave mm-hmm. until the end of this whole course meal. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it was this exclusive thing that was like millions and millions of dollars to go. <laughs> um, but I'm like, okay, so you had a really cool idea, but then your execution of it didn't warrant a feature-length film, maybe a short. So, Okay. <laughs> Well, I, you and I differ on this film, and that's fine. That's what review reviews are all for. I, I, I enjoyed this film. I, I think, I think it had some clunky issues. I will give you that, and definitely the ending. I don't think landed as strong as it could have. I know what they were trying to go for with the ending. I don't think it clicked quite as well. I know what the uh, it could have been more effective, but. You know, again, if you look at it as a, as a, it's a, it's a fable, it's a morality tale. There are no heroes in this film, which is something that, you know, I think people could go into this thinking it's going to be just strictly social commentary, the so haves and the haves not. You don't see Anna Taylor Joy as a hero? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. I don't see anybody as a hero. Okay. I think she just happens to be the one that did not fit into everything else. So she, you know, was treated differently. But I don't see her as a hero. I think the film, and unfortunately, that's where the film does lose a little bit, gets clunky at the end, because I think it positions her a little bit more as that. And that's not really the point. Uh, but I think, you know, anybody who's trying to sympathize or, or trying to make a case, going into this thinking that the shelf is going to be some uh, moral hero and trying to teach lessons, any, no, it, it's not that at all either. So there are, there are fallibilities on all sides. You, it's not even a matter of the haves and the haves not. There are no have nots. It's like these are all people that have, that have, are now making choices of where they feel like, what they feel like society should be like. And they're going to try to make it that way. And 
I don't know if I, if you tend to look at it in more of the, the themes that's going for, as opposed to the mechanics, I think, I think you can appreciate the film a little bit more, but yes, if you are looking to analyze it as a story, as a script, yeah, it does have, it does have some issues. Well, I, I think if the themes hadn't been so on display in the trailer, then that would have been yeah, possible. Trailers suck. I mean, trailers are tough. <laughs> no, no, you know? but they're, they're tough and it's, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. And again, the trailer, I mean, I will say this. I mean, I did not know from the trailer if this was going to be going straight horror film, if this was like going to be like a Saul type, you know, uh, uh, a a, a horror film where, you know, people are being picked off one another. You don't know if it's going that direction from the trailer. You don't know if it's going to be going more intellectual or not. I mean, the trailer did give away too much and did set some expectations for the film that, like you said, in your case, all every expectation was met that you saw in the trailer. For me, I felt that I did not know where the the film ultimately was going to go. I got you. Um, so I was along for the ride and I was okay with that. Um, I think performance wise, I thought all the performances were really good. I liked all the characters in it. Um, you know, and again, I think the whole, to me, the whole, the whole crux of the film, Chris, that lets me kind of in on, this is what they're trying to do with this film was the role of the two critics who sat at a table in the middle of the room. They were over the top, outrageously ridiculous satire of reviewers. Right. That to me set the tone of saying, okay, I know what this film is. Okay. You're going to lampoon this idea of, um, high society, uh, exclusivity, worshiping at the feet of someone, you know, and, and I mean, I don't even know if it's a satire on, on fine dining because I'm not really privy to anything on <laughs> the whole exquisite fine dining right. scene, but more of this idea of celebrity and what does status and money get you and that type of thing. I mean, I think when we see Janet McTeer and I don't know who her, uh, the other reviewer with her is, I don't, I don't know his name, the actor, unfortunately, but those two, uh, basically they act as kind of our sounding board throughout the film. Every time we cut to them, they are saying something so pretentious, so ridiculous and just setting the scene of, okay, yeah, we know this film is all about, let's explore this theme. We're not trying to be realistic with the script. We're not trying to be uh, authentic. We, 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 we we're making a statement and we're trying to play this, play this up. So I took it from more of that angle, but um, yeah, it, it got clunky when it tried to turn into a little bit more of a, thriller and all that uh, later scenes at the end. Yeah. It didn't work as well. The first half of this film I thought was really, really good because I love the build up, the dread of not knowing where it was going. Little things were being dropped that were odd. We're getting to meet this whole cast of characters, which were all very interesting when it tried to introduce some thriller elements late in the film. Yeah. Those did not work as well. Yes. The whole, uh, excursion that um, the Anna Taylor joy character takes late in the film didn't work. I, I didn't understand the point. And yes, it opened up a lot more plot holes than it should have. Well, but I mean the point there again, lazy writing, the point was so that she could find a way out mm-hmm. of the situation and they needed her to find this way out. And sure enough, it ends up, and it was kind of like, that's it. That's, that's the culminating. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, but I, I can see your point. And I think, well, I mean, she, found a way out, but it turned out not to be real. Right. She saw a newspaper clipping. Oh, okay. It yeah, gave her yeah, an yeah, idea. The newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a little tip off and yes, that ending. Okay. Again, we're not spoiling anything. the ending. 
I could see some eye rolls with that. I get it. Again, that was also a scene that let me on to believe, okay, yeah, this is totally a a tale. This is totally a, a, a fable. This is totally a, you know, that kind of approach. Because, yeah, that ending would not have worked in a real situation. So no. I guess if you, yeah, if you kind of look at it that way, a heightened fable then okay, maybe it yeah. Then some of the things that yeah, had it's to like an Aesop's fable. It's like there's a there's a morality story at play here, and yes, I think the whole ending scene, the resolution, the way that the film decides to end, and what character it leaves behind, and which ones it doesn't. I think that's all very much a yeah. It's all very much just a tale uh, uh, meant to evoke some some greater themes than it is to be an actual story in itself. So yeah, I liked it. I had a, I had a, this one I did have a fun time. with. <laughs> I will use the word fun bones okay. and all, not necessarily a fun, fun time watching, but sure. I, I enjoyed it. This one, I, I absolutely had more fun with. Um, yeah, it had issues. Yes. It could have been stronger. Yes. There were some choices late in the film story wise that I think were unfortunate that, that hurt the film. Agree with you on all of that. And I think maybe you mentioned a little bit about how heightened the critics conversation was. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe for me personally, um, maybe they were leaning on that a little hard. And that was such a comedic element that it kind of didn't match this like dark, serious kind of undertone. So it's like mm-hmm. if they would have been a played a little bit more like not quite as comedic. Maybe mm. things would have worked because it was kind of, they did go to them a lot. Yeah. And so maybe if they hadn't done that quite so heavily, it would have seemed more like a serious critique and maybe it would have worked. Or either that or just like make everybody cartoonish. Just like, yeah, it's true because I mean, so. there were half the characters in this room were not cartoonish. They were, they were, I mean, they were definitely stereotypes. They were stereotypes, they were playing but, they stereotypes weren't but they weren't, uh, they weren't over the top about it. Right. The two critics were over the top. I felt like no, they they uh, totally were. Although some people who know people like that are probably saying no, that was pretty uh, that was pretty <laughs> on the spot. But um, just over the top in how they were portraying them. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I think they probably were accurate oh. as being really snobby, mm. egotistical food critic, but they were just really driving it really hard. Yeah. So. All right, so some mixed opinions on this film here. It sounds like um, overall, I I thought it was a fun time at the movies. Like I went on Thanksgiving Day, so this is you know. <laughs> That's kind of that's a, funny. <laughs> I packed up the family. And we went to we went to see uh, this on Thanksgiving Day. So it was fun. Probably um, good that you didn't pack up the family and go see Bones and All. No, that would have been a tougher one. And actually, we were questioning about whether to go see this because I did not know what role the food was going to be playing. If this is something that was going to make us upset that we just <laughs> ate or not. Um, right. I will. I mean, I think I can go ahead and say this. On the food side, it's it's nothing. I mean, it's actually actually some of the food that we do actually see at some point actually look pretty good. <laughs> so uh, having seen, I saw this movie before I was able to have dinner. I went and saw it like, like a five thirty showing. So mm-hmm. I went before I had dinner. I will say one of the um, final meals courses or whatever that Anna Taylor joy, like, yeah, yeah that was really mm-hmm. hard to see because oh, yeah. it made me really hungry. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so it's not one that's going to make you upset no. uh, about food right. or eating like bones and all will probably do. <laughs> right. Um, I will just say this too. They make a little bit of a commentary on the notion of s'mores, which I completely agree with. So I am with the director or writers on the horrors and dangers of s'mores. I agree with you on that. So anyway, okay. 
I think that wraps it up. Sure. <laughs> All right. That is the menu. That is also still playing in theaters. Did okay, uh, box office wise. I mean, it, it for it being a non-franchise, uh, relatively small film. Because some can be a little bit of a small niche film. It did okay box office wise. I really thought this was just going to like just get annihilated and hmm. nobody was going to see it and it was going to go away. So the fact that it made a little bit more money than people expected, I think is a, is a good sign. I'd like to see more unique films come out. So sure. if that, if that helps, then all for it. Okay. Uh, Chris, that was our two main reviews, bones and all and the menu. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we got a couple news items to cover and we got our recommendations to share for the episode. So stay tuned. You're listening to foot candle films here on the mesh.tv and we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Chris and I gave a review of the films Bones and All and The Menu earlier in this episode. Um, some mixed mixed opinions on both films, but I think we both came out positive on Bones and All. Just Chris is, Chris is warming up to it. Chris is... Yes. Uh, is still processing it, but uh, coming along a little bit on it. The menu we were pretty split on. Chris, not a big fan of all major issues with the story, uh, the script writing, especially in this. Me, I had a lot more fun with it and was able to kind of let go of any script issues and just enjoy the film for other purposes. But either way, that's the reviews. We hope if anybody has a chance to see them themselves and want to send in their thoughts and feedback, you can feel free to do that. We'll give you information at the end of the show of how you could do that and kind of engage in conversation with us about either of those films. But Chris, let's talk about a couple of news items in the world of films and movies coming out. Um, Got a couple in particular, nothing too earth shattering here, but you know, it is as we're recording this, it is the end of November. Yes. Um, December, is when it's typically been the, the month where you know studios that are trying to make sure their films are getting recognized for Academy Award nominations have to get their film out by the end of December, at least in a limited release. Right. So we normally have said like November, December, especially January is kind of the time period where we're going to see all the more award potential films coming sure. out. Sure. Um, I have made the comments to you, Chris, on the side that I, I feel like this year – the 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 range of selections we have or the number of selections we have for films that are really seriously being considered for award status are a lot smaller. Hmm. There's a lot more limited number of films okay. than I think I'm used to seeing us have at this time of the year. So what I thought would be interesting to do is I've just been kind of researching what are some current predictions for nominations. Now, this is not the nominations. These will not come out until... Uh, January, January, they release nominations. And then the uh, event is in late February or early March. Right. Something okay. like that. Yeah. So this is not official nomination. Sure. This is just us saying, these are kind of the predictions of films that right now are at least in that conversation. Okay. So let me kind of hit these. We'll just kind of hit these real quick. And I just want to kind of get any gut thoughts you've got on this. Is there anything you feel like is, is missing in these predictions as far as films go? And we'll start with just best picture. So I've okay. actually got 10 best picture potential nominees here. Okay. And we can just kind of uh, hit these off really quick. The Banshees of Venturian, 
Uh, that is the new one by Martin McDonough. Um, we have not seen that yet. Have not had a chance to see it. Unfortunately not. No, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it though. Elvis, which is the Baz Luhrmann film, which we have seen. Yes. And we talked about on this show. Sure. Uh, Emancipation, which is the Will Smith Apple TV movie that has not come out yet. Will be coming out soon. I find, I find that really interesting just because yeah. unfortunately all the drama that from last year's Oscars, speaking of award season, that happened with Will Smith and just uh, this is his next project after that dust up. So, um, yeah, but um, could be. I, mean, I am curious to see what it yeah, looks like sure. when it comes out. When when's the release date? Is it? I oh, guess late. That, no, I mean, we are in late November, so maybe yeah, December. it's got well, sometime in December. But gotcha. yeah, um, everything everywhere all at once is being batted around as a potential for. I mean, if they go with ten nominations, I think it could. I think it could fall in that range somewhere. True. The Fablemans, that is the new Spielberg film that, once again, you and I have not had a chance to see yet. <laughs> and I feel like that's a big one. I feel like that's Well, that, to me, is the only shoe-in right now. That, to me, is the only one that I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, that's going to get nominated for Best Picture. Sure. And, honestly, it's kind of considered the favorite to win. Now, if you ask a lot of critic categories, they're saying, yeah, that's kind of the one we feel like is probably going to win. Gotcha. We'll see. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, is actually kind of being batted around, and we have not seen that Sadly. one yet. <laughs> Did not come to our neck of the woods in the theater, the one week theatrical release. Uh, so we have to wait till the Netflix or our screener copy comes in. Sure. Uh, Tar, which you have seen, I have not. That is the uh, Todd Field movie starring Kate Blanchett. Top Gun Maverick. Look, <laughs> I tell you, I. I if it goes to 10 nominations, I think Top Gun's going to get in there just because... It's the Black Panther vote. It is. It's the big blockbuster movie that everybody loves. And, you know, all right, I could see it in that mix. That's fine. Uh, the Woman King. That's the Viola Davis film. I never saw it. I did see it, and I was surprised there wasn't more talk about that movie okay. when it came out. Good. Um, I think it, I think it's pretty strong. That's what um, I need to catch back up with. Yeah. Um, and then women talking, that is the, uh, Sarah Polly film, I believe, yes. uh, with Francis McDormand. Um, that one we have, has not been officially re- like released out in any, in, in the public yet. So right. haven't seen that yet either, but that's the 10 right now that are kind of getting the buzz around, uh, best picture possibilities. Any, any of those you feel like don't deserve to be there or any ones that you feel like are missing that you know of. Um, I, right off the top of my head, I can't think of ones that are missing that should be a part of that. Um, I mean, I may would want to swap out something like Top Gun Maverick and put Nope in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but I mean, I understand why, because as far as like, if you're going for the whole like crowd favorite populist choice, yeah, Top Gun Maverick, that totally makes sense. Um, but no, no, none that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. So. And that's the thing I guess that's surprising to me is, yeah, I can't think of anything that's missing off that list either. Mm. I think of this list of 10, there's like five that I, I would consider big cinema movies. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that came out earlier in the year were kind of big and hyped. And, you know, Elvis was a big movie that came out. Um, I know Everything Everywhere All at Once is a A24 smaller independent studio Production and their most their highest grossing film, ever, highest grossing right? film, but it also was early in the year, yes. so it, and it did kind of get a lot of buzz around it as it was coming out. The Fablemans is obviously big Spielberg film. Uh, Glass Onion is kind of a more populist film, you know, a bigger film in general. Yeah, um, I'm I'm surprised. 
but I, I like the director of Ryan Johnson. You and I haven't seen Glass Onion yet. Um, but for, for it to be considered best picture material, that kind of surprises me. Unless it's like you're saying, it's going for the whole Top Gun type thing. Yeah, it could be. That's why I'm, I guess that's why I'm just saying with all this. I mean, Top Gun Maverick, even The Woman King, that came out earlier in the year. That wasn't like in the last month or two. Right. And was released with a bigger a bigger release schedule. So the right away, half of these films are kind of bigger films in a way. The ones that I feel like are truly your more typical Oscar winning films, Banshees of Inchiriran, um, whether or not em- em- emancipation is worthy of it. I will see. Sure. Uh, Tar would be one of those films that would typically get a nomination or at least type of film. I'm not saying whether or not that film should, I- I'm saying type of film focus features, Kate Blanchett, a Todd Field film, you know. I yeah, and uh, yeah, and I having seen the film, I get the nomination for Kate Blanchett, Best Picture, not so much. Okay. But and then Women Talking, the Sarah Polly film. Yes, that's those are films I expect to see in this mix. So it's kind of a split. I mean, I really think they're like half populist films, half more smaller, smaller studio or limited release films. So I guess that's good. Get a little variety in there. There's definitely a, a, a wide variety of films in this potential list of nominations. Now, we'll see if it holds up or not. We'll see if these are actually the 10 nominees. If they even go with 10 nominees, we'll have to see. But um, that's that. Uh, only other ones I'll mention, uh, just talking about, you know, uh, best actor, some of the buzz around there right now, Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin. I, I would be shocked. Mm-hmm. If he didn't get nominated. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. just like when you saw Rocket Man and Taron Egerton, or when you saw Bohemian Rhapsody and um, Rami Malik, like, yeah. just because it's that type of performance, it's like, yeah, okay, he, I, I would assume he's going to get nominated. Like, I would be really shocked if he does that. Plus, I, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I thought his performance was good. Yeah. Didn't everything about the film didn't work, but you and I both agreed that we thought he did a good job. So, yeah, not surprising with Austin Butler. Yeah, Austin Butler, Colin Farrell for Banshees. Brendan Fraser for The Whale. So that's a, The Whale is a film that has not gotten talked a lot about for Best Picture, but Best Actor. I think is pretty much he's going to get nominated for that, no matter what. Uh, Hugh Jackman for the film The Sun, which doesn't come out till January. Um, don't know much about it, but I'm hearing a little bit of buzz it's around his same, performance. Same director that did um, The Father. I think. Oh, okay, right. Gotcha. So it's kind of like a, I think it's a spiritual sequel to that yes. film in a way. So, And then Bill Nye for Living. Are you familiar with this film at all, Living? It is a remake of a film, and I, I have seen it mentioned, but I don't know. It's like a, I think it's like a day in the life of this guy who knows that he is, doesn't have long to live or something. So he kind of reevaluates his life. I've, I've briefly heard of it. Okay. So, right. um, well, those are the five that are kind of being batted around again. This is not to say that these are going to be the five, just sure. these are where all the predictions are going, at least according to variety. I'm using variety as a little bit of a guide here on this. Um, so I would, I would throw in that um, just because, I mean, if I had my way, yeah. <laughs> which I won't, um, I would actually probably, now granted, I haven't seen Banshees yet, mm-hmm. um, but Colin Farrell's work in After Yang is pretty pretty uh, incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to butcher his name, but Park Hail from Decision to Leave, mm-hmm. I think he's worthy of a See, that's an interesting one. Decision to Leave hasn't been mentioned anywhere, which that was kind of, uh, I think, uh, has been batted around as one that should be in the mix maybe. Um, well, and definitely for 
best international well, it'll be best international film. I think yeah, that'll be I, I hope automatically. Yeah, I would I would hope. What was the film uh, Drive My Car that? Yeah. Did Drive My Car get a Best Picture nomination? It did. Yeah. It got that and um, so and I'll say some of the best actress. Have you mentioned that you did mention that category? I haven't mentioned actress oh, okay. yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was getting to that here okay. in a second because I have some thoughts on that. Yeah. <laughs> best actress, the five that have according to Variety are kind of their predictions. Okay. Kate Blanchett for Tar. We sure. Mentioned. Viola Davis for The Woman King. Okay. Uh, Danielle Deadweiler for Till, film we haven't seen either yet. I haven't seen it yet. Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. And then Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So, uh, According to Variety, she's the favorite, by the way. Michelle Yeoh, great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I, I think she's great in that film, but I also think I could see voters, Academy voters, kind of being a little nostalgic about her sheer body of work. Yeah, yeah. And kind of like that lifetime achievement type award type thing. I don't care. I, I hope she does. I hope she. I think she probably will be nominated, and I hope she does win. Yeah. Um, something that is a performance that I really enjoy that I would like to see recognized that I doubt will be, but I think it deserves a spot is uh, Tandy Newton's role in God's Country. It was a film that came mm. and went in theaters pretty quickly. I think it was here in Hickory for maybe a week. Yeah. Um, it is a tough film, but she is amazing in it. Mm. Wow. Okay. So um, that's what, but that I could I, be I a did, nice surprise to yeah, see maybe. her sneak in there with that. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I, I, we're not going to go through every category. Sure. I think I just want to kind of hit some of the highlight ones, best picture and a couple of the lead acting performance ones. I'm curious to see how much of this holds up. You know, there's <laughs> sure. a, like four or five of these films we still have yet to see um, that we've talked about. So very curious to see. I am just, I guess my takeaway is I'm, Encouraged by the variety and mix of films that are being considered. Although I do think the pool of films is a little more limited that we've typically when I see this list, there's like another five, six films I could think of. I'm like, wow, I'm surprised that didn't land in there with this list. I'm like, yeah, I think they pretty much covered it. I mean, I don't feel like there's a lot of other films that are being kind of left behind right now for whatever that's worth. All right. Well, that is Oscar predictions. So we will obviously report on the official nominations when they come out in January. And then, of course, we'll make our own predictions on that to see how we how we end up at the end of the day. Chris, we'll do these two really quick, um, just because I think we're running short on time here. I want to be be sensitive to everybody's listening time. (laughs) Time is valuable. Sure. Uh, A couple things I'll just mention real quick for you. did you know that Michael Mann is directing a new film? I did not. So Michael Mann, if anybody's not as familiar, uh, probably best known for you know, Miami Vice, the TV show, but then he also did a, a theatrical version of it. Um, he has, gosh, Heat, The Insider, Ali, um, my film, Last of the Mohicans, that I was in, in case anybody didn't know that. That was right. a very, very... Very, very, very small part. In. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the last film that Michael Mann directed, and I'm having to kind of pull up his filmography to make sure I'm reading this correctly. Last film he did was Black Hat back in 2015. That was like seven years ago. Got you. That was the one with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Did not do too well. It was kind of considered a, a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, before that, he had made the film Public Enemies in 2009 that had uh, Johnny Depp in it, if I remember correctly. Yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he's got a film coming out. It's kind of riding this wave of films in the last several years about 
car designers. I don't know if you've noticed, you know, between Ford versus Ferrari, yeah. that was several years ago. There was a film that's just come out now about um, the Lamborghini, I believe. Uh, and now we're going to have Ferrari by Mr. Michael Mann. Okay. Um, do you know who is playing Enzo Ferrari? Okay. I think I do. And now if Michael Mann, I didn't know Michael Mann was directing it. Is it Adam Driver? It is Adam Driver. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Adam Driver playing Enzo Ferrari. Um, he looks very different in the production stills that have been released. I'll show you, Chris, even though I know you're on audio. So wow. uh, people at home cannot hear this. But yeah, yeah I, I encourage you to check it out. He's got a, It's a very different look for Mr. Driver. But um, <laughs> yes, this is Michael Mann, who also co-wrote the screenplay for it. It's going to be starring uh, Adam Driver, Shailene Woodley, uh, Patrick Dempsey, wow. and Penelope Cruz. Okay. And that's going to be kind of the ones it's in Interesting this. cast. Eh? It is. Uh, and the storyline is set during the summer of 1957. Uh, he's an ex-race car driver, Mr. Ferrari. Um, and then um, he rolls the dice. Uh, he's in financial straits and troubles. He decides to counter his losses by rolling the dice on one race, a thousand miles across Italy, the iconic Mil Miglia. And uh, yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting. I, okay. You know, Michael Mann is going to be interesting just to see him do sure. anything anyway. But uh, <laughs> I do like Adam Driver quite a bit. This is honestly a film I did not even know was existing until just last night. So um, okay. I'm excited. Uh, supposedly, uh, Christian Bale was cast as the lead role initially. Okay. And Christian Bale was in Public Enemies in 2009 as well. Gotcha. I think he was, uh, over, he, it was him and Johnny Depp. I think gotcha. the two of them. He dropped out because of health concerns for some reason. That's all it's saying. Hugh Jackman was being considered to replace Bale. Hmm. But then Hugh Jackman tested positive for COVID-19 back mm. in January 2022 when production was going on. Wow. So Adam Driver took over the role. So he's actually the third one filling that role. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, be very <laughs> curious about that film. That is coming out sometime next year. I don't see an official release date yet. Um, but I am curious. Could be good. This could be good. <laughs> could be good. We'll see. Sure. Um, and then the second one I'm going to bring up to Rhea, Chris, just to get any thoughts for you. This will actually be a trailer. Okay. This is another film I did not know existed. Okay. Or was even being considered until yesterday during research for the show. Cause Excellent. I put in a lot of research time. Sure. I, I, I scour all the film news and, and publications and try to find just the right story to bring it's, out for the show. I think our listeners will be comforted to know that you are earning your huge paycheck yeah, that you get paycheck. for the show. So Absolutely. yeah, it's good. I'm definitely making sure. I'm worth every penny of that. <laughs> so I bring this up because a couple reasons. A, it is a A24 film, which I know we're big fans of the studio. You in particular, I think yeah. we tend to like most of everything they're putting out these days. Sure. And we just kind of admire them as a studio for the kind of work that they're, they're producing. So this is a film called When You Finish Saving the World. Have you heard of it? Yes. You do. Have. Okay. So Jesse Eisenberg, actor Jesse Eisenberg, is his directorial debut. Is a film starring Julianne Moore and Finn Wolfhard from uh, Stranger Things. Julianne Moore from everything. And um, <laughs> this is written and directed by Jesse Eisenberg. It is going to be based off of an audio drama, Eisenberg's own audible original audio drama of the same name. Hmm, interesting. So it started as an audio drama, but now it is 
turned into a movie that Mr. Eisenberg is directing. I heard about this film because it was at Sundance, mm-hmm. and uh, I was able to do some Sundance films virtually, and I tried, I tried and failed to get virtual tickets to this one. So I've heard about it and been wondering... I thought it was coming out this year, and it didn't. But obviously now it's coming out in 2023. So. Coming out in January. Okay. So you don't have long to wait. That's so nice. it'll come out quickly. But they did release a trailer for it. Have you seen the trailer for it? I actually have, but I'm looking forward to seeing it again because yeah. I want to see it once. I have not seen it. So okay. I will be. we will be watching this trailer. So here we go with the trailer for When You Finish Saving the World. By that logic, we should just occupy every country. Yo, I agree with you, Lila. Thank you, Ziggy. How do you agree with Lila? Oh, shit. Excuse my brain for knowing what not to say. I know it'll get better with age. This is the Real Ziggy Cats. Thanks for tuning in. Mom! Did you open my door while I was... Shit. I'm sorry. Did you try to open the door while I was live streaming? What's live streaming? That's where I have 20,000 followers and I'm validated and I'm starred, which is terror hard to get. Just make sure you don't play the blues. What? White people playing blues music. Just cultural appropriation. I play classic folk rock with alternative influences. I don't know what that means. Okay. So that was the trailer for When You Finish Saving the World, Julianne Moore and Finn Wolfhard in a Jesse Eisenberg written and directed film, I believe. Uh, the, the synopsis of it is, uh, the film's, uh, Julianne Moore stars as Evelyn, her oblivious son, Ziggy. They seek out replacements for each other as Evelyn desperately tries to parent an unassuming teenager at her shelter while Ziggy fumbles through his pursuit of a brilliant young woman at school. So Chris, seeing the trailer, you've seen it before. I'm seeing it for the first time. Um, uh, I, I think this looks like it could be great. Um, I am concerned Anytime I see a trailer like this where it's that perfect intermix of drama and comedy, and comedy it's like, can you get the balance right? Is it going to be too, is it going to try to be quirky and funny for quirky and funny sake versus uh, authentic and, and heartfelt or, or, or what? I don't know. Some films pull it off. Some unfortunately air one way or another. So um, this is a perfectly cut trailer <laughs> to showcase the film. Obviously, I w- sure. want to see the proof when the actual film comes out itself. But um, so far, I'm intrigued. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm intrigued as well. I mean, a directorial debut by Jesse Eisenberg, somebody that I legitimately like his work. Yeah, um, I am curious. I knew he had written it, but I'm curious that it's adapted from an audio drama. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it will be able to strike that tone. Uh, Julianne Moore looks like she's just knocking it out of the park there again, based on the trailer, which as we've complained about trailers before, hopefully it's not ruining all the good moments and telling us everything we need to know. Um, yet it looks like in a way I could very easily see Jesse Eisenberg playing the Finn Wolfhard character if he was younger, but now he's like two, he's aged out of being able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, interesting. I will be curious too to see Finn Wolfhard, really be step away from stranger things. Cause in one sense, it looks like he's kind of just doing an updated version of a character in stranger well, things, yeah. but it'll, it'll be interesting to see him. Uh, I want to see more of a performance here. Cause pretty much Ben Wolfhard we've seen obviously stranger things. Sure. And then he was in the ghostbusters afterlife film, which I um, have not caught up with. Still haven't seen huh? <laughs> no. Um, which he basically played a, another version of his stranger things character. So yeah, I'm looking for a little more of a performance in it. According to the trailer, we're going to get it. Now, whether I think so. it holds up, we'll see. But sure. um, okay, so a couple interesting productions. Uh, when you're fin- when you finish saving the world, will be coming out in January. So, got that coming up soon. 
Uh, Ferrari is going to be much later because I think they were just in production early this year. So it'll be much later coming out. All right, Chris. Uh, Man, we've been going pretty long, but we do have a few minutes to go ahead and cram in our recommendations for the episode. So this is where Chris and I both share a recommendation of a film we think is worth checking out. Whether it's a newer film or an older film we revisited, doesn't matter as long as you can actually see it yourself if you so choose to do so. Chris, what is your recommendation for this episode? So I am going to recommend a film called Not Okay, which is on Hulu. So it's you know easy to see. It's uh, by director Quinn Shepard, and it stars Zoe Deutsch and Mia Isaac. And you may say, Mia Isaac, haven't heard of her. Well, she's one of the main reasons that I'm uh, recommending the film. She plays a supporting role, but uh, she is really, really good. Mm. And I think it's one of her first film roles, so... We may hear more from Miss Mia Isaac in the future, but plot-wise, if you put Dear Evan Hansen and The Devil Wears Prada kind of in a cinematic blender, you'd get something kind of close to this film. Um, I think, just to kind of give you the actual synopsis, an ambitious young woman, that's Zoe Deutsch, desperate for followers and fame, fakes a trip to Paris to up her social media presence when a terrifying incident takes place in the real world and becomes part of her imaginary trip her white lie becomes a moral quandary that offers her all the attention she's wanted. So it, you can see the kind of dear Evan Hansen thing, but it also mm-hmm. has, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I thought, it, you know, it's an interesting film. It's on Hulu. So, uh, and Mia Isaac, the supporting role, I think it's somebody to pay attention to. Hmm. So, uh, that's my film. All Not right. okay. Not okay. And it's on what service? It's on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. It's a Hulu film. And it's a 2022 film. So, okay, great. All right, good. I had heard of it, not uh, did not have it on my watch list, but it will be added now. Thank you for that. Uh, mine, I'll do really quick. I, I think last time we got together, Chris, I did a recommendation of the Tim Burton film Sleepy Hollow. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. So I'm continuing on that trend. My okay. family and I, for whatever reason, have gotten into a Tim Burton revisit of films, mainly because I think my youngest son has gotten into films a lot more. And he recently saw a production at his school of the play Sweeney Todd, oh, yeah. which calls us to say, Hey, well, we should watch the Tim Burton version of the movie and see how it holds up. Sure. And just like Swiss sleepy hollow, I'm happy to say holds up really well. It, it was still, a, I enjoyed this film when it came out, Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of fleet street. I like it still now. I think it's still one of Burton's later, uh, later phase, good films. So basically, Sleepy Hollow and this film, I think, definitely cover that span of time where critics were starting to kind of lose some faith in him. He had some films that didn't work so well, but these two did work. And I do think Sweeney Todd is a very, very good film. Uh, You know, of course, if it's based on some really good source material, it's a little easier to make a good film adaptation of it. But I think the tone, the style, the energy in this film is just right. I'll give uh, Johnny Depp. He's good. Johnny Depp's good in this film. And uh, Helena Bonham Carter, also very good as Miss Lovett. So yes, uh, and Alan Rickman. I can't forget Alan Rickman, but uh, Judge Turpin. Good film. Uh, good use of the music. Uh, the the visual look of it's great. I think Sleepy Hollow and this film are probably the two uh, violent rated R Tim Burton films, if I'm thinking correctly. I can't think of any others. I think it's just those two. I think you might be right. Yeah. And something about when Tim Burton does get to kind of cut loose and go a little, <laughs> a little, a little more extreme. I think, uh, I think he, he handles that really well. So, um, I did like 
Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber Fleet Street is available on any place you can rent films. I do recommend checking out. I know both these films are ones that probably would have been better to watch before, like come Halloween time. But um, so maybe you just have to kind of put them on your watch list for this time next year. Sure. But either way, two good films worth checking out. A Johnny Depp, Tim Burton duo. A um, couple of films I wanted to recommend there. So, cool. all right. So that's what we've got. A lot of stuff today. A lot of food. A lot of <laughs> eating. A lot of. You know, we had cars. We had, uh, gosh, Oscar predictions. We had, yeah, all a whole bunch of stuff in the show. A lot of a lot of interesting films to talk about. A buffet. Yes, a buffet <laughs> of things in this show. Chris, if somebody was wanting to talk to us more about any of the selections in this film, any of the news, any of the reviews, how could they go about doing so? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. Uh, if you're on Twitter, you can follow us at Foot Candle Film. Alan and I are also both on Letterboxd, where you can try to track what we're seeing, and sometimes we leave short reviews. Do us a favor. If you like our show, give us a star rating, write a review, share with your friends on whatever service you receive your favorite podcasts on. It'll help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. All right. Well, that'll wrap us up for today. Thanks so much for listening to Foot Candle Films. We hope to hear from you soon or talk to you soon or... Have you listened to another episode as we release it in the next couple of weeks? And don't forget, Foot Candle Film Festival will be coming up September 2023. So go ahead and mark your calendars. What were the dates on that, Chris? Oh, man. Last weekend in September. Weekend is, yeah, don't have them Just leave it at that. We'll, uh, next time we get together, we'll, we'll make sure everybody knows the dates. Last go. weekend in September, go ahead and put it on your calendar. That's when we'll be convening here in Western North Carolina for the festival. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next time. See you in the ticket, Mom. Yes, I need to write the dates on Watch films in the company yeah. Like-minded people in the dark Watch films in the underground We won't let anyone know where you are The films that don't make it To Carmike at the mall Or ones that were famous When Grandpa would watch films Out of the reverence of the heritage of an art Special thanks to Carpal Taller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Taller, visit www.carpaltaller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.